This is John Boone, Realm Eleven News, reporting to you live from the Hollywood Video Arcade in beautiful Adidia, California. Video game madness seems to have swept the nation, but many parents are wondering if these arcades are as innocent as they claim. Let's see if we can't get to the bottom of this. Excuse me, young man. John Boone here, Realm Eleven News. Would you mind telling us your name and what computer magic you seem to be conjuring? <laughs> Uh, my name's Fan. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm playing this Portal Conflict game and I uh, just ripped this dude's spine out, man. <laughs> Portal Conflict? Ripping spines? Sounds downright sinister. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, and now I'm like fighting this god and there's like all these druids and like... Now I just like ripped this dude's heart out of his chest. It's pretty sick, right? <laughs> sick and twisted. You think a game like this is safe for children? Should parents be concerned? Where do we draw the line? Oh man, I I love this song. Um, I'm sorry, what? It's fan. You're listening to Fake Ritual, the podcast, <laughs> with your host, Lucas Sloppy. <laughs> Greetings, all ye fakers, and welcome to Fake Ritual, the podcast, your guide to pop culture and the occult. On today's show, I suit up for a chat with Pittsburgh musician, visual artist, and friend, Johnny Arland. We test our might as we talk Mortal Kombat, exploring its complicated lore and meeting its cornucopia of contestants. And yes, I've made sure to replace every capital C with a capital K. So get over here and enjoy my blood-soaked conversation with Earthrealm's fakest hero, Johnny Arland. Sitting here with my friend Johnny Artlet, and we're going to be talking about Mortal Kombat. How you doing, Johnny? Doing quite all right. How about yourself? Pretty good. Uh, well, I'm chomping at the bit, so let's just get into it from the top. Why is Mortal Kombat so cool? The earliest memory I have, I think, with Mortal Kombat was seeing the arcade cabinet for the first one in a movie theater somewhere and just oh, yeah. being like totally stuck in my tracks like what is this and why does this music sound this way yeah growing up for me uh i never got to own it because my mom was not necessarily on the front lines but was definitely hearing the news coverage of like this violent game that's driving kids to commit acts of violence and the you know the the uh rumors of this blood code uh so i always had to either like play it at friends houses or at my stepbrothers but i was enamored 
like from the get. I think like you were saying, it's this like power fantasy that I had. Yeah. And you have the ability to just like completely decimate your opponent while looking, you know, badass or otherworldly, I think, appeals to like a lot of little kids, you know. Totally. That fantasy aspect is really what uh I think brought me in more than anything because my favorite characters growing up were like Scorpion, Sub Zero, Raiden. Like the magic users, the like elemental forces. I rarely played as Liu Kang. I rarely played as Johnny Cage. Uh, Same here. I was more about like who were these masked individuals and like I remember being really into Sub-Zero, like, I'm like, oh, okay, that's, like, the blue guy, and, like, he's got, <laughs> you know, this ice thing, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool, and then you've got Scorpion, who's like, all right, well, he's the yellow guy, but he's kind of like this demon, but you don't really know, like, and why is he shooting this harpoon from his hand, yeah. and he's, like, he apparently is really angry and wants you to get over yeah, here right I... now. All, all this research we've been doing, I've been saying get over here to myself, like, on a pretty regular basis, because I don't know why, but it is a badass phrase, and he <laughs> says it's so badass. Although I think there's I different actually, variations as well. There's maybe a come here as well. Yeah, come here! Yeah. <laughs> oh, he, uh, man. He calls somebody a sucker, I think, in the <gasps> second movie. Yeah, that too. I mean, we're talking the video games here, but the movies too. When that first movie came out, like, I about shit just from seeing the trailer. It, I remember seeing that in a theater somehow. I can't remember. Whoa. Like, Lucky. if my dad or my mom would have taken me. But I remember going to, like, the cheapo theater, like, out near Century 3 Mall when that was still around. It was just really weird as a kid and just be like, whoa, what is going on? Um, and just revisiting it recently... There's just so much that I think was over my head as a kid as to how absurd it gets from the moment it starts. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and not to mention, like, I never knew what was going on storyline-wise at all. <laughs> <laughs> I just found out for this episode, and I still don't exactly know. Yeah, same here, dude. Like, when I started looking over things again, I noticed, like, man... I've been into this stuff since I was a little <laughs> kid, and now I feel like I know absolutely nothing because it's, you come to find, as they added more to it, it became this process of just jumping back and forth. It's kind of like reading a Robert Anton Wilson book where it's just so nonlinear and like all times at the same time. Totally. Uh, I think even with the most recent game that came out, that was like a big theme was like the main boss controls the sands of time and just completely remakes the universe as a whole. Yeah, I mean, once you got time travel mixed in, like, plot lines are fucked. There's no going back. Yeah, so many different which ways and where it could go and how it could weave itself. And I also think it's kind of a testament, like, the storyline, I never even really cared because the, the character design, especially in that first game, was mm -hmm. so simple yet so uh, digestible that you kind of made up a story for each character. Like, I see the Scorpion dude. He's obviously pissed. Like, he has fire powers. I assume some sort of infernal 
background. Sub-Zero, he's cool. So he's probably like some sort of uh, noble warrior or whatever. Like it just had so much to take from it that the storyline was kind of just like, okay. <laughs> and it's interesting to find that they both kind of have this um, push and pull of like, you know, they're looking for redemption. And you see that a lot throughout the series between various people that are in this tournament yes. know, looking for their own sort of prize at the end. Um, it's kind of like they both, both Scorpion and Sub-Zero end up with their families slaughtered and they're both just kind of pointing the finger at each other, but it's not quite as up and down as like, you're wrong and I'm right. Yeah, definitely. It always had this kind of like there was a good versus evil, but each person had their own journey as well. So you could you could relate to the bad guys if you needed to. It, it's so open of a world in that way. Um, I think the way that they were able to pull off the art too, because we're talking like early 90s sort of capture of live actors for oh, yeah. digitized yeah. video gaming. That was still really huge back then. There were a couple of games that have done that. Um, a lot of people will mention this thing called Pit Fighter, which was you could kind of roam around a giant ring and it was sort of like a fight club you just fought to the death. Oh, but it okay. Was very like on par with what Mortal Kombat was aspiring to be. This is an arcade game as well. Yes, and I think might have come out on maybe PC or a Sega system at some point. But you know, even then it was kind of like the limited resources that the creators had in like a team of maybe I think no more than five people were able to accomplish. It's like just the limited amount of things with that amount of imagination created like these really weird like visuals to go along with the idea of like, it's not just like a Kung Fu game. There's totally mysticism. Mm -hmm. There's these omnipresent forces at place and you can tap into this energy that it's like all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, what if I could, conjure up this energy and it's you know sort of <laughs> yeah. not, not, not necessarily like totally telling kids to go out like all right now go out with your friend and try to conjure rip. up a fireball out of thin air yeah maybe rip a few spines out. out while you're at right. it right <laughs> which was like a lot of the news reports yeah that parents were like sort of trying to get the word out about it's like oh you know don't don't buy this for your kids they're gonna like start ripping heads off which is i'm like Look at a picture of me when I was 10 years old in the Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I was not going to fight anyone, let alone rip a spine out or, like, pull a beating heart out of a chest. Like, people give <laughs> people give uh, pre-adolescent children way too much credit when it comes to, like, their them being influenced by these, these violence, violent video games and movies. They're going to go commit these crimes. It's like, uh, <laughs> not most of us. Right, and I, the thing with, it, it's sort of weird, like Mortal Kombat, I guess, is a bit of an easy target because of its market at, at the time. Um, you know, it predominantly being like a big hit in the arcades. And back then, like, that's where, that's a, you know, a place where a lot of kids would congregate. And it's really weird. Like, I remember that being a highlight for me as a kid and seeing tons of kids just 
be like, ooh, this game does this and that, and you don't really need to go anywhere for that anymore. Yeah, and it's still but, you get that like that social aspect. I guess people have you know they play online, which is similar in a way, but it's not the same as far as just like looking the dude in the eye when you beat his ass and you know rip that spine out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not to mention like some scuzzy like arcade attendant that's probably gonna buy you alcohol if you ask the- him. The coin overlord. Yeah, really, with his little... I still would take one of those, like, the belt, you know, with all the coins. Like, Yeah, I was, I was just about anymore? to ask, have you ever seen, like, anybody walking around with coins on the belt like Back that? Back in the day, probably when it actually mattered to me, when I would have seen that and been like, whoa, it's him, it's him. I feel like there might have been someone... In like a Chuck E. Cheese costume, walking around like that. Little... <laughs> yeah, just like power hungry. Just as equally as scuzzy as the dude in the other arcade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, but this place is for just kids. Oh, great. Right. But maybe uh, the listeners at home, the, my uh, loyal fakers, have no clue what Mortal Kombat is. So let's do our best to try to tell them what it is. Uh, <laughs> we can just start with the basics. Midway Games, 1992, puts out Mortal Kombat into arcades, created by Ed Boon and John Tobias. And there's Johnny staring at it in the movie theater. It's, it's hard to sort of grasp that as a little kid because just the concept alone is so vast, but so simple and so like campy. Yeah, um, basically, uh, you know, like good versus evil, mm-hmm. um, you know, darkness versus light kind of a deal, but in a very sort of like almost avant guardian times. Yeah, avant guardian at times. Excuse me. Uh, take on fantasy action with a bit of sci-fi occult mysticism esoteric uh knowledge sprinkled throughout totally Uh, and that's why it makes sense when i found out that it the original idea was for a jean-claude van damme video game and that's where they got the johnny cage character it's like oh that's where that initial push of like cheesy and badass kind of came from but we're talking here yeah the influences so we got you know that the corny action flicks but also obviously gory horror movies then on top of that uh kung fu films which already uh have a bit of comedy mixed into them and 
not to mention it was just a ripe time, early 90s. VHS was long established as, you know, people were buying them. It wasn't a big deal to have a VCR. So all those straight-to-video, shitty action flicks, you know, dumbass horror movies, people... People were prepared for a game like oh, this. Oh, absolutely, dude. I, uh, I'll i tell you, I used to live down the street from this place. Not the chain, but a separate video rental store called Hollywood Video. But like as a kid, this one in particular, like what you just described was just walls. Mm-hmm. Like that. Like the cheesiest of the cheesemo. Um, always some video game system in the corner next to a giant gumball machine. Oh, yeah. I just remember, like, you know, once I found out about Mortal Kombat, that was kind of a place for me to sort of try and look for other games like that. But yeah. Sort of kind of got me into the idea, I think, of horror movies in the yeah. process of, like, it containing that gore. Like, because, um, I mean... With you know, the humor as well. It, like, it wasn't always just, like violence 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 you know you get a toasty every once in a while right it's 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 very like self-aware of itself without being too upfront you know it's gonna be like tongue-in-cheek about it like yeah this is like a a very like cheesemo fighting game but having fun with it as sinister as it comes off like and that's what i uh i really like that they incorporated sort of pokes at the controversy with the ability to do the friendships and the babalities and all that. Well, yeah, it's also worth mentioning, you know, what fatalities are. That's where these were coming out of. These these ending moves that had been established in the first game where once you beat your opponent down, you are uh, just a few button presses away from some wild-ass, super violent, but also creative death scene, whether it's Liu Kang turning into a dragon and biting your head off, or Scorpion, you know, revealing his skull head and setting you afire with his hot breath. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, if this game didn't have that, yes, it wouldn't have acclaimed as much success as it did. Agreed, because and... you had to be so good to even get them. It added this kind of, like, uh, this this benchmark that you could get to. And I think, you know, once you are aware of, like, oh, wait, there's a way to do this, you know, people playing that back then, it's kind of hard for them to be like, well, I don't want to do that again. Like, of course you're going to want to do that again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) If you're already, like, hooked on it, like, I got to play this more and more and more and more. And, you know, just, like, it's almost like a compulsion to master it. Absolutely. Doesn't mean you're going to go out and be like aggressive towards anybody, um, which unfortunately a lot of parents thought. But I still, yeah, I for me, it was always a power fantasy. I never saw it as like I think people really. I get pissed when people still act like kids can't. Kids in general can't separate fantasy from reality. I think that's a r- real disservice to the mind of a child. I absolutely agree. It kind of is saying like you're lesser of a life form for being younger and not knowing any better when, you know, kids aren't, you know, as criminal as adults think they are sometimes. But yeah. Also they're not dumb. I think it comes, be- honestly, I think it's just. 
and I've spoken on this on other episodes, is just kind of like a magical idea that a lot of magical practices want to bring uh, almost like a childlike mindset back into an adult's life. And I think of a lot, a lot of adults in general are just kind of envious of kids and they can't verbalize that. So they internalize it and then punish kids by, you know, taking their fun video games away, you know, for their own good or whatever that bullshit is. I'll tell you is. what, as, as someone who has worked in the public as uh, someone that's had to work around kids and parents... You don't know how much I'm agreeing with you right now. Word, okay. <laughs> I've, I've seen it. I've seen it like those kind of interactions happen, and it's really wild. Like, I it's not all parents, of course, but like no. it's kind of weird how like sort of mad parents can get at their kids for like having an imagination. Uh, it's, yeah, it's it sucks. Heaven so forbid. I, I would always try and you know, like maybe you know help a kid engage with this spark they're trying to uh do whatever with um yeah mine an idea their media and art in general pop culture they just represent the society that they're in they don't cause of society to be violent they express the ideas of a violent society God damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, before I digress too much, I say let's try to rattle these uh, the rest of the games off and maybe say a little bit about them because there are so fucking many games. So, 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 so. Okay. Many. So Mortal Kombat 92, Mortal Kombat 2, 1993, Mortal Kombat 3, 1995. Uh, and chime in anytime here if you if you got something you want to say. Um, mythologies Sub Zero. Oh, we have to. Oh man. Okay, so <laughs> this is a game that I did not have a copy of, but I was so like confused as to what it would be about. And this is also going back to video rental places. I would see it um, for the N sixty four a lot, but. When I was able to finally check it out and kind of see for myself what the hype was about, it was just like, I think parts of it are really neat and like sort of cheapo CG stuff yes. that it's like really good, bad. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I'm really all about that, but it was kind of like, this could have just been a VHS movie. Totally. I mean, it would have been fine. Yeah, I couldn't. I didn't watch any gameplay, but I assumed that it was atrocious compared to the at least fun cutscenes. It's pretty boring. It's like side scroller, and occasionally you fight some things, and you just jump through a bunch of obstacles. It's kind of like a really funny train wreck. Like, um, I really like watching stuff like that. Again, that's good, bad, and totally. I, I think it kind of adds to the humor, but also yeah. some of the absurd mystique with the game, and it's it's a really um, it's it's almost kind of a nice way to see the story, like just get a little more involved before it leads into Mortal Kombat Four, which contains some of the same characters and levels even. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the uh, the. First game to use a 3D graphics, but the last game to have a cabinet, which yeah. is kind of sad. It's like, oh, like I hadn't even thought of that. 
that these were cabinet games. I was such a console kid. It's pretty cool, like, how everybody has sort of had um, their own sort of little reality tunnel experience with it, where yes. it totally affects them in, like, weird ways. Thousands of years ago, the Earth was devastated by a battle between the gods. It was a war between good and evil. A war that would decide the fate of the world and plunge it into centuries of darkness. Now, the war is in danger of being fought once again. Only one mortal can stop it. Ninety-five's Mortal Kombat. Like, I'm still impressed. I think it's one of the best video game adaptations out there. Paul Anderson that did the movie, and I think he did... He might have done, like, The Fifth Element. Okay. He did, like, the Resident Evil movies later on, and, like, he he's done, like, kind of, like, really somewhat big-budget sci-fi flicks and action okay. movies. And I don't know, like, what they did with the budget as far as balancing it, but it's, like, you know, really good sets, really beautiful locations, shit CGI, shit acting. <laughs> but yeah, let's there, be real. It, it has its moments, though, and I think, you know, seeing it way later after, like, seeing so many other things like that in movies and, like, garnishing even more of a love for, like, the absurd and just the absolute ridiculous... Yes. Coming back to that movie after years of not seeing it was just such an eye-opener for me where I'm like, how did I just not know that this movie was um, not great? <laughs> yeah, it's not great, but it is so watchable. Like, I would advise anyone to watch it. It's You're not going to be bored. You're not going to be like, oh my god, this is intolerable. You're going to be like, no. what the fuck am I looking at? I would say if you have a choice, definitely watch that one and maybe just that one yeah because 1997's mortal kombat annihilation yeesh it's kind uh, of up there with some of the one of you know it's considered one of the worst movies ever at least one of the worst sequels what was your initial impression of that one uh, i didn't get to watch it this round but in hot like even i think i watched it when i was a teenager and even then with my dumbass teenage eyes i was like this is not good <laughs> this is not good at, at all because <laughs> i feel like the action's bad too at least that first movie had some good fight scenes seemed like they had some good stunt acting uh and you know hokey delivery of lines but no more than the than the video game but this annihilation yeah <laughs> what about it's... you it's, you know, this was also a movie that I had not seen in quite a while, and I remember being really excited about it as a kid. But coming back to it now, because I watched it immediately after watching the first one. Okay. I gave myself a couple minutes, but Hell yeah. I had to 
it because the, yeah the first one's a lot and then coming into this one they sort of take you way too fast back into it they give you a quick recap they use the same <laughs> exact title sequence and change like one thing about the text and then it's kind of like already you're in the middle of fighting uh everybody but Liu Kang and Katan is different um the green screen on everybody is really something yeah they um, were pushing the limits of what technology could do at the time and they were not doing it gracefully it's weird like because I feel like with some of the effects considering how they did the sky in the first movie yeah. they could have pulled it off a little better if they had just kind of took their time and i just feel like it was one of these things that was kind of rushed i feel like watching it it was kind of like a made for tv sci-fi channel movie absolutely it definitely doesn't feel like a wide release not at all (laughs) now the other thing is the animated movie which came out on vhs to promote the first movie and mortal kombat 3 so the journey begins is this 2D, 3D animated take. I watched a clip today. It's so confusing. <laughs> so my copy uh, has a bunch of trailers from stuff that's coming out on New Line, home cinema, and like stuff that was coming out in theaters. Yeah. And they're giving you like Mortal Kombat fan club and like buy this, buy that. Mortal Kombat live tour, all the stuff that, like, all the stops they were pulling as far as marketing goes. Yeah. They were making that known to you on this tape before you even saw it. But the cartoon itself, we're talking 2D animation with 3D animated fight scenes. Um, The story (laughs) is basically the warriors end up on the boat and they're headed off to Shang Tsung's island. Um, Raiden's kind of giving them the lowdown as they go along. I watched part one, and Shang Sun came in and out of the door to the bottom of the ship, I think six times in a matter of ten minutes. <laughs> He's just kind of walking around not yeah. really doing anything for a little bit there. So much of this extra, like, Mortal Kombat, you know, uh... The other stuff, the extra stuff, the extra series, the extra movies. Oh, uh, the they, non-canon. The stuff, non-canon the stuff. It, it, so much of it seems to have been made by someone that has no clue why the game was so popular. That stuff, I think, when you have something like Mortal Kombat, is always really special because it's kind of like you don't really understand what you're doing at that time, like how absurd it can get. That's true. Or, like, the kind of impact that, like, when you make something, you're not really aware of, like, how truly, like, weirdo or profound or this or that it is. So it's interesting to kind of see how that stuff turns up. Talking about somebody that seemed to actually uh, know what made the original so popular. Did you watch any of this Mortal Kombat Legacy? This web series? I saw, I just rewatched the pitch trailer. Yes. And yeah, I remember, was, like, whoa, this is actually good. Mortal Kombat Rebirth trailer that was giving this gritty realism to the Mortal Kombat world, but didn't seem to take off. But we did get Mortal Kombat Legacy, which you can find on YouTube, and I highly recommend it. I watched the Raiden episode last night, and just to give you an idea 
of what kind of like gritty realism we're talking about here. What they do with Raiden is Raiden falls from the sky. He is then placed in a mental institution after his claiming that he is a god. And then he ultimately escapes, teleports, when he convinces another one of the patients to destroy his body. Whoa. So it gives it this, like, real-world vibe. And this is before all that. I feel like we're living in such a time of, like, the gritty remake, you know. But to so watch this out. with Mortal Kombat, it's actually awesome. <laughs> Again, just... There's so much going so on and so many things much. I forgot about. That's why and Fake Ritual is honestly here to help people with lore like Mortal Kombat's. It's like I'm trying to I'm trying to figure this out. Me and Johnny are trying to figure this out for you right now, okay? We're we're putting in the work <laughs> to tell you what to give a fuck about. And we got to talk music if we're talking about what to give a fuck about. Oh, this is going to be good. Oh, my God. What is it about it? What makes it so good? And you're a musician, so I feel like you might have more better insight than I do. Whether or not anyone realizes it and they know me, I listen to MK2 music, primarily the second game music, almost every day. Really? Oh, I'm so proud of it's you. Like, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I'm proud. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I was the kid that, if I would just play a game enough... Eventually, I would just let the demo screen go and let yeah. the music play because I was just really into the music. Um, but Mortal Kombat especially, I think, there's like a sort of slight saturation on everything. The synthesized sounds you hear for the melodies are really like buzzy. Yeah. There's like warbly bass going on and the drums are like really tight. Like all mm -hmm. the patterns have these obtuse time signatures and it's just super duper hypnotic, but not in a way that I feel like I'm just listening to what people would normally associate whatever electronic music is. Yes. Because Mortal Kombat usually is like techno industrial sort of, <laughs> you know, action packed totally. fight music going on. And this one in particular, it makes me feel weird. Like even just yeah. without like seeing the game, it's just it's just so just like, it's creepy, but also ambient, but also driving while also being background like they really hit the mark with what good a good video game soundtrack should be right it should sort of drive you along and you know encourage you it's kind of like propelling you to the next level or to reach the goal meet the mark so on speaking about techno are you familiar with mortal kombat the album from 1994 yes so i initially thought you had been telling me about the soundtrack to the movie which well has that people also like it's pretty yes pretty badass got some what typo negatives got some uh it's got like napalm death <laughs> yeah. <and> kmfdm <laughs> yeah. and it has the immortals on there and yeah. like some other like nine inch nails imitators yeah. but kills. mortal kombat the album yes uh man okay so that is something i have to listen to uh but i need I, I tried to listen to it before we were doing the show, and man, I was not ready for that. <laughs> no. I'm telling you, listen, and this is for the listeners as well. 
listen to Sub-Zero's song, because his is the best. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this was an album released by the Immortals, this like techno group on Virgin Records. Uh, came with, uh, you know, it was like cross-promotion with the, with the first movie. But the lyrics are, again, so obviously written by people that don't know about Mortal Kombat, that don't that didn't even take the time to like because the Sub-Zero lyrics are whoa Chinese ninja warrior oh my god with a heart so cold Sub-Zero and then the second line is whoa your life is a mystery warrior with a mask (laughs) Sub-Zero and then it goes on again but it's like warrior with a mask Come on. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I it's not good, but as a Mortal Kombat fan, definitely like just dive in, smoke you know, smoke a blunt and enjoy the ridiculousness, the, uh, the cheesy beauty. The first song on there that I did get to hear, I think the lyrics were something like, Mortal Kombat is here to stay! (laughs) Let's go! It doesn't know what it is, and it doesn't know what it's doing, but again, with this, Mortal Kombat is just like the best amalgamation of violence, cheese. Uh, (laughs) It's the most violent cheese you could buy, honestly. And it takes many forms. It does take many forms, just like uh, that Chinese Ninja Warrior (laughs) Sub-Zero. With the mask. it's a martial arts tournament that decides the fate of these many independently existing realms and the fighters represent the realms winner of the fight wins the right to conquer the realms and on top of that all earth realm our realm is like the favorite realm it's like the prize gem the trophy realm so stakes are extra high But beyond that, this lore is convoluted, complicated, but fun. So, Johnny Arlett, what what links Mortal Kombat to the occult? So, I think um, if we're starting from the very first game, we're kind of catching things sort of, I think, a hundred years or so into the actual storyline. Yes. Yes. So you've got nine tournaments that have been won by Outworld. 
Shao Kahn, which is the emperor of Outworld, is looking to merge his world with Earthrealm. Um, but Shang Tsung is the guy that's kind of like his crony doing his bidding. Mm-hmm. He's sort of like the superintendent sorcerer. That's yes. how I look at it. Yes. Uh, Luke Kang's kind of already set up to be the champion of Mortal Kombat. I guess he's sort of more like the token hero yes. <laughs> of Earthrealm because he is the chosen one, whether or not like they decide to address that a whole lot in the games. But it's usually just kind of assumed, I think. Well, yeah, it's like Mortal Kombat 1 ends with Luke Kang winning. Mortal Kombat 2 ends with Luke Kang winning. Mortal Kombat 3 ends with Luke Kang winning. <laughs> it's like he's the chosen seven he's the chosen eight yeah so yeah basically story is good versus evil it's as simple as that uh and we're talking we're talking these realms it's these almost like other dimensions but you got your earth realm that's us you got your uh outworld you know that's this like wasteland sort of place you got your nether realm which is pretty much hell uh you got adenia which is some sort of like beautiful uh, Garden of Eden, essentially. Kind of sounds like the perfect place to be. Um, so when I was telling you about these other worlds, I kind of lifted from, I think it was the guide that came with Deception because you're in an oh, open word. world for one mode and you can go explore the realms. And as it's quoted in the guide, mm-hmm. known for its beauty, artistic expression, and the longevity of its inhabitants. Uh, yeah, please sign me up. <laughs> yeah. As opposed I don't know to why... Outworld, a realm of constant strife is the first five words of that statement. No thanks. I, I found the lore. There is an actual like impetus for the the Mortal Kombat being this monotheistic idea that these outer gods, Raiden included, were among a what they refer to as the One Being, some sort of all-powerful monotheistic you know deity. But the gods rebelled against him and in doing so created the realms and then in after fighting over the realms they decided to create mortal Kombat. which i'm not sure when they came up with this the one being i'm sure it was down the line as far as uh writers but i just thought it was cool that they they did try to give it some sort of uh cosmology some sort of actual what feels like a real mythology Absolutely. It, it's definitely a thing where, um, you know, keep in mind that this was supposed to be a one-off game. Yeah. This was just some small-time project that kind of took off, and it expanded into a whole mythology that um, goes beyond, like, when you start to think about it, it's one of those things where you can feel so small thinking about it because you're thinking about space and time and energy between people and things and organisms. And there's just so many ways that you could go about it because somehow within all of that mystery and fantasy and stuff, like it's somehow relatable. Um, I think speaking to, you know, stories that we, as people have taught younger generations for years and years, Mm -hmm. be it like magic or lessons in life, you know, a lot of 
the uh, the elder god wisdom bestowed to the main characters. It seems to be in the plots like via Raiden. Yes. Uh, usually, trying to instill the uh, the inner strength or the inner spirit, if you will. Yeah. And just kind of like saying channel this within you, which you know I think depending on whether you are on the side of dark or light will determine like how that magic is used how we see between uh characters like quan chi who is a master of dark arts literally throwing like giant green skulls around yeah um as opposed to uh somebody like uh, Liu Kang or Kung Lao, who would probably channel the power of their ancestors. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, and, and the elder gods themselves, if they decide. Yeah, it has this uh, these real world connotations, almost like definitely some like Buddhist influence, some like Eastern mysticism, as far as like like you were saying, every character uh, is looking to transcend themselves. They're looking to go beyond themselves, and they're pushed to do such. But also this acknowledgement of, like, harmony and balance. They're trying to have a balance amongst the realms and a balance amongst these characters. But also it still has this, like, human drama in it where there's backstabbing and, and uh, you know, people being corrupted by their power and the like which i think is really it's the it's the bringing together of all these things that really makes this whole world still like uh enticing to me i think in a lot of ways it can be uh metaphorical um just with everything you mentioned there you see especially like the sorcerers and the people that deal in Outworld and even within various realms, like, you see a lot of people just betraying each other yeah. throughout the whole series and, um, you know, just for a little bit of power, just to get somewhere, barely. Meanwhile, like, you know, it could be like the fabric of time is ripping itself apart and that still wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're still like, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna... Turn my back on you. It's like, oh, great. So I think there's some, like, believe in yourself message there if you could take, like, a positive thing from it. Yeah. But I don't think it's to say, like, believe in yourself if you're evil. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Necessarily. Again, back to that whole, like, the news coverage, this idea that, like, kids are... I, myself, was never sure I was fixated on... I liked the violence and mostly I just thought it was funny because it was over the top, but I also gave a shit about these characters. I loved the idea of like good versus evil of, you know, the chosen one. and Like, it's just so disappointing again, when these adults act like kids can't understand nuance and can't look beyond like they get read all these history books with all this violence in them. But as soon as it's fantasy, it's dangerous. Like what? I guess if it's not Superman uh, saving the day for some damsel in distress or uh, Batman running around looking like a dope with a sidekick and, you know, clobbering some bank robbers, 
you know, anything beyond that, maybe yeah, they in, don't in know some what ways to do. too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're just like, Oh, I, I don't know. I don't understand it. So it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Thanks mom and dad. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, we could go on about this forever, but unlike the mortal Kombat world, we exist within time space. So I just want to thank you, Johnny, for being on the show, because this has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate doing this. This has been really fun. I've never really done this sort of thing before. Uh, well, is there anything, uh, where can where can people find you? Where can the fakers uh, check you out? And do you got anything coming up you want to tell them about? Calling all ye fakers. Yes. Um, so you can find me uh, out there somewhere. Uh, you can find me <laughs> on Instagram. I usually put anything concerning the music and art stuff over there. Uh, you can find me at my website, johnnyarlette.com. You can also find my band on Instagram. Uh, we're called Microwaves. I think there's two underscores uh, before and after Microwaves. And while I'm at it, uh, go and check out our video for a Cramps cover that we did called Don't Eat Stuff Off the Sidewalk, which will be coming out on a tribute compilation. Really bad music for really bad people. The Cramps as heard through the meat grinder of 31G. I don't know if the vinyl release is still happening, but it'll definitely be available digitally. Uh, that's kind of all I got. Um, yeah, go check it out. Well, thank you again, Johnny. This has been awesome. Mortal Kombat rules. You rule. Uh... Thank you so much, Luke. You roll too, man. Well, thank you. Uh, all right, fakers. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, you know, look out for those those uh, evil sorcerers and the the magic they wield. For we know not uh, what their intentions are. So, I say to you, farewell. Thanks again for listening. This episode was recorded and produced by me, Lucas Sloppy. This episode's music was provided by none other than Johnny Arlett himself. Be sure to go check out more of his stuff. You can find him on Instagram at Johnny Arlett. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Fake Ritual and on Twitter at Fake Ritual Blog. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes and elsewhere. Love us or hate us, just make sure you tell us. If you want to be on the show, have something you'd like to contribute, or just want to declare your undying devotion to the fake ritual empire, you can email us at fake.ritual.inc at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in. A fond and fake farewell to you all.